Fellowship Concerning the God-Ordained Way, April 27th through 29th, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and Providence, Rhode Island. Session number one, The Reality of the Life of the Body of Christ. Good to join you again. My name is Tim, and this is Neil, and we're visiting from uh, Texas. Uh, actually, Neil's from this area, so I feel so secure. <laughs> we got off the plane in Rhode Island, yeah, Rhode Island, and uh, he took the wheel, and the, just I uh, just fell asleep in the car. I felt so relaxed. Instead of being anxious about trying to find my way around, it's good to be among the brothers. Amen. And now I really feel secure around all the brothers. So it just gets better. Amen. The more fellowship, the better. Amen. Well, we're here just for the weekend, and I'm, I'm not sure what all this is about. Uh, if it's a special weekend or a community or just a church meeting or... Okay, right. <laughs> we're enjoying the God Ordained Way Conference, Amen. and we want to fellowship. It's really, we have some notes here on a sheet, and if you don't have one, you could raise your hand and the usher could help you. Uh, so these are some portions we'd like to share. It's just open fellowship, so you know, feel free to uh, ask a question or you know, direct it. We'll just fellowship a little bit. Uh, and we wanted to spend some time, uh, the God-ordained way is uh, a very broad way, and it's a way that's being more and more opened to us as we progress, that, that we learn more, and it's a way that includes all the saints. Uh, you don't have to have a campus to be in God's ordained way. Uh, you don't have to be a student. You don't have to be a full-timer. You can be a saint in the church and enjoy this way that's been opening up to us over the last couple of decades, and more so in the last three or four years, I'd say. And the purpose of the God-ordained way is to bring us into more of the reality of His body. Uh, he wants His body, and we're going to spend a little bit of time tonight to uh, see how critical this is uh, concerning the, His body, and that He wants the reality of this body. So I'll share a little bit, and uh, by the time you get tired of listening to me, Neil will come up and uh, finish it off, and maybe there'll be a little time for you to respond, depending on how much we can get done. So uh, you may get a little chance tonight, if not, hopefully, on the Lord's Day morning. So if you have an outline, let's look at the title, The Reality of the Life of the Body of Christ. And I like to read a little footnote, or actually a note in a book. It's not a footnote. Um, just to kind of set the stage why this is a critical topic and how the God-ordained way uh, is important to reach this reality. Uh, the economy, this is by Brother uh, Lee, the economy of God is for the body of Christ. After seeing this, I checked with myself, where is the body of Christ? You have opened the Bible book by book to the saints and there are more than 1,600 local churches raised up on this earth, but where is the body? You have churches, you have the churches, but where can you see the body? Because of this, I became burdened. I said, Lord, I must confess to you and admit that although I saw the body of Christ, and I preached and taught the body of Christ for years, even I myself am not very much in the reality of the body of Christ. This is quite a statement, you know. He, he could have fooled me. Uh, 
for him to say this in 94, May of 94, is, um, should catch our attention. Uh, I was confessing my dullness and shortcomings to the Lord concerning this matter. Thus, the present burden has come to me. You should not pay so much attention to the spreading of the recovery, to the increase of the churches, and to the good meetings of the churches. You must realize there is a great lack, a shortage, that is, the reality of the body of Christ. It is for this reason that there is a need for the blending. So we're going to talk a lot about blending a little bit this weekend. And then the next paragraph continues uh, in the New Testament, the overcomers are likened to Zion. We rented a car, and the car is called Zion. So we were real happy to enter into Zion on the way over here. But that's not the Zion he's talking about here. Uh, this Zion is the one you're, you've got in mind. In Revelation 14, 1, the 144,000 overcomers are not just in Jerusalem. They're on the peak of Zion. That's right. The overcomers, the vital groups, are today's Zion. Let's all read that sentence. The overcomers, the vital groups, are today's Zion. Well, my burden today is to help you reach the peak of the vital groups, that is, the overcomers, Zion. So we're going up. Although we may have a good church life, among us there is almost no realization, no practicality, no actuality, no reality of the body life. This is the need in the recovery today. So uh, this... These kind of words have caught our attention that we can be doing a lot of things outwardly and it looks good and, uh, you know, it may impress us or others, but how about the thing itself? Watch many uh, use this term, Don like this term. What about the reality of this body? And the Lord is after this. This is what he's after. And so we like to focus on this. And to get into this, we want to spend a little time just to set the stage in looking at a book, a few verses from uh, the key book in the New Testament that reveals the body, which would be the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. And the subject of Ephesians is, anybody know the subject of Ephesians? The whole book is uh, summed up in this little subject title. So what would we say the subject is? The church. The church. Amen. Yeah. Christ. Uh, well, the church dash, the mystery of Christ. So he talks about something very mysterious, very mysterious. The church is it's the mystery of Christ, comma, the what? body of Christ as the fullness of Christ. And that's what we want to camp out here for a few minutes, becoming the fullness of God. So the church is something that is mysterious, it's the mystery of Christ, and it's his body, it's the body of Christ, it's his body, the fullness of the one. So we have a few verses here in Ephesians 1, let's read uh, Roman number 1, the vision of the body of Christ, A. Okay, and I think most of you are familiar with Ephesians. Um, the, the book of Ephesians, the last chapter, first chapter, ends with this revelation. Let's just jump down there and read 22 and 23 under B. And he subjected all things under his feet 
and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. So if I could just step over here quickly and use this board. I think most of you, I'm not going to spend much time in Ephesians. Can I erase this? I can't read it, so I'm going to erase it. Is that okay? It's gone. Uh, just briefly, those of you uh, familiar with Ephesians 1, uh, he is starting out uh, with the blessings of the church, and there's a progression. And eventually we get to the end of chapter 1, which we just read, which is the church, uh, his body. He's head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. So right here, we get to the high peak of the body of Christ. And I like the way he describes it. It's the fullness of the one. It's, it's the one. It's Christ. It's, he doesn't give anything. He doesn't describe it as the bride or the warrior or the household. It's him. It's, a, it's him in full. It's Christ made full. So the body is Christ filled out. It's not just the head. When you think of Christ, do you think of just an individual Savior? Well, you need to read chapter 1 of Ephesians and get the revelation. Christ today is no longer that alone. He is the body Christ, like the hymn we sang. If you don't think of all the ones in this room and beyond when you think of Christ, you're short of revelation. And that's what's so mysterious about Christ is how could these people be Christ in life and nature, be uh, members of his body? Well, that's very mysterious, but it's the, we need the revelation. Paul said you can perceive my understanding of the revelation by reading it. If you'll just read it, you'll get the picture. And he says uh, the church is the body, the fullness of the one. So eventually you get to the fullness of the one. It's him made full. Where is the fullness? It's in the body. So you have him back here and the subject is headed toward the fullness. So you have choosing. If he's going to have some to be the body, he's got to choose them. Then he's got to make them the sons. He's got to put his life into them. Then, of course, we messed up, so he's got to redeem us. And this actually was choosing us before the foundation of the world. So you have eternity passed back here. And eventually when he fills all in all, that's eternity future. So he sums up all time here uh, in chapter 1. You've got the choosing, the sons, the redemption. Then he makes us, you, then you have these verses here. Let's read Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. Ready? Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. In the heavens. So you have a crescendo here where uh, he just, Paul's talking about the redemption and he can't stop himself. It's uh, the grace, and this is according to his wisdom and, wisdom and prudence and the mystery of his will, his good pleasure, his purpose. And he goes, to head up all, a plan to head up all things. Eventually, everything. All things will be under the headship of Christ. Amen. Other translations say sum up, summing up all things or 
gathering together in one. So there'll be this gathering of all things in the universe under the headship of Christ, and that's where everything is headed. Everything is on this line. If it's not on that line, then don't touch it because it, it uh, doesn't mean anything. Everything is headed. This, you know where Harvard's headed? To be headed up. It's headed for, to be headed up by Christ. All things, everything will be under this headship. If he's going to do this, saints, he's got to start somewhere. So he has to have a body. He has to choose some for this, make them sons, redeem them, eventually make them his inheritance. Verse 11 says, designate them as his inheritance. And then, of course, you know, the sealing is another marking out in time and the pledging, uh, giving them a taste. And then we get into this prayer. And so he prays that once he's unveiled these bless blessings and this mystery, he prayed that we would have a revelation. Amen. He prayed for you. He prayed that, please, some would see this. I've seen it. I see that the members are Christ in life and nature. This is the body Christ and all this process. And he's going to expand on it in the later chapters. But he prayed that some would have this revelation. May they see it. May they see through all the religious things. May they see through all of the doctrinal things. May they see the reality and be the reality of this body. So in this prayer, he prays uh, uh, that we'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, 18, that we would know the hope of his calling. He prayed that some would know the hope of his calling. Do you know uh, what the hope of your calling is in this age? Ryan, is to reach this peak, high peak of the body of Christ. Today, your hope, brother, of course you have the next age to hope for in eternity, but today, as a 22-year-old, 21, 22, the hope of your calling, you were called to have a proper body life, to be properly related to the members, the body Christ. This is your hope. This is what you were called for in this age is to be a properly related member of his body. This is our hope. This is, so he prayed we'd see this. Amen. I was called for this, not to be an individual Christian, individual superstar, but to be a properly related, blended member of this corporate Christ. Yes. That is your calling. Amen. That's your hope. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And working on building eight, you'll get into more of that reality, the blending. And then he told me he wants to go to the train. That's going to be more of this blended member. Amen. Okay. And then he prayed after we'd see our hope that we would know what are the riches. The riches of His inheritance, the riches of the glory of His inheritance. Where? In the heavens. No, in the saints. Where are the riches of the glory of His inheritance? Where? In the saints. So the hope of your calling is to be a properly related body member, and that's going to draw you to the other members, but then you, you have to realize the riches are there. Amen. That's why I need to be properly related is because Christ is there. The riches of Christ are there, there, there. Amen. More riches here. Wow. More riches. The, the more you've been around, the more riches of His inheritance. 
In fact, in verse 11, he said that he's designated Ryan as his inheritance. So he, he, he predestinated him for this, and now he's pouring his riches into Ryan so that he can inherit Amen. what he's poured into Ryan. This is God's inheritance. Amen. Do you want to be properly related? Amen. Yes. Where are the riches? In the saints. In the saints. We have to be with the saints if we're going to get the riches. The riches are not up there in the heavens. They're not in that classroom at Harvard. I promise you, he didn't put them there. He put them in the saints. So this draws us to the saints because if we want the fullness of Christ, the riches, they're in the saints. Praise the Lord. So we want to be grouped like this. But you know what, Ryan? When we come together to be grouped, then there's a little sometimes misunderstanding, miscommunication, friction. And you know what it takes then? When you get married one day, you'll even realize this more. It takes the surpassing greatness of His power. If, this thing's, if I'm going to be grouped with these saints, do you live in corporate living? Yeah. Okay. Well, you've experienced it some. And then, uh, if you're going to be closely related to others, then what we need is to the surpassing greatness of His power. Scott, it takes the power of the resurrected Christ, even the ascended Christ, to keep your mouth shut. When Leah, where'd she go with the baby? Okay. When it, you know what I'm talking about. It, it's all that it, it takes God's, it takes the power that raised Christ from the dead to keep that mouth shut. Because if you're going to be properly related to your wife, Leah, who later in Ephesians 5 is your own body, if you love her or you love yourself, that's yourself, actually. That's your own body. But there's always some differences of opinion, too. But he's trying to make one. So it takes the power, not just resurrected, but the fourfold uh, uh, ascended power, subjecting, to subject your tongue, to subject your thoughts under Christ about your wife. It takes the power, it takes Christ himself and to head you up so that you're properly the head in your household. It takes that heading up power. You have to experience that if you're going to be properly, sorry, related to each other in these homes or vital groups or twos and threes, which is our, one of our main burdens this weekend, when we come together, that's when you're going to experience. That's when you need to know this power. So he goes on to talk about, and then eventually the revelation there is uh, head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness. So it's no mistake Paul prayed for these three things. We know that this is what our calling is and that the riches are there. And then when we start to enjoy those riches, because we're still not transformed, we're going to need the power to keep us from being you know, pulled apart. Isn't that right? When is the power actually needed? It's right then. We all need to experience. So this is quite a revelation. If we're going to become the fullness of Christ, Christ so look around this room. This is Christ in life and nature. Yes, there's different functions. Of course, my body has different functions, but in essence, it's all the same. It's one. It's one. It's one with Christ, and it's one with each other organically. 
we're organically united to Christ and we're organically united to each other. Amen. And he's after a body. And there's all kind of members. We'll get into this more later. The necessary members. Okay, so if this is the vision and the Lord knew while he was on the earth that he was, he, he was going to get this body and after this body, then we want to look at some of the Gospels to see how did he go about preparing the way for this body. What, what approach did he take if he's going to raise up this body? What he did was he, Roman numeral 2, there's a quote. Uh, let's read Roman numeral 2. The disciples as a vital group. Okay, then you have a quote there, right? I have to make an announcement because of the car. Is it okay? Sure. Excuse me, saints. Um, if anyone has the number 33PC78, we need you to move your car. Sorry to interrupt. It's all in the flow. Okay. It's a Mercury station wagon, blue. Anybody here? Thank you. Okay, we'll try something else. Okay, so you have a quote there on your outline, right? So uh, Brother Lee mentioned that the disciples were a vital group. Uh, some have asked me how to have a group meeting. I told them the best, way, best example of the group meeting is found in what the Lord did in those three and a half years. We can say for three and a half years, he mainly established one group meeting. The nucleus of this group meeting had 12 brothers. Outside of this was a group of sisters with some other people. On the day of Pentecost, this group meeting already had 120 people. They were all perfected by the Lord Jesus during those three and a half years in that group meeting. So uh, this, was headed, this is headed for uh, Pentecost when the outpouring was, but there's a huge base. So the Lord took the way to get his body of perfecting these, and he, he selected these 12. So let's read some of these verses. Mark 3, 13 through 15, all together. And he went up to the mountain and called to him those whom he himself wanted. And they went to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and that he might send them to preach, and to have the authority to pass out the demons. Okay, so underline the word wanted. Before you flip the page, underline whom he wanted, and then underline the next line, that they might be, say it. So what did he call them? And point them that they might be with him. Okay, the Lord loved these people. He wanted them. He wanted them. Scott, we want you. He wanted you. Scott, I want you. I want to be with you. I just want to be with you. He selected 12, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. Okay, you 12. I just want to be with you. I want you. I want to be with you. Yes, you're going to go on to do some other things, but firstly, I just want to be with you. I want to be related to you. I want to interact with you. He had 12 there that became a vital group that he could be with them. He loved them. And then on 410, let's read that. He was alone. Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. Okay, this is uh, Mark 4. These are the kingdom mysteries. And he explained everything. And then when he was alone, 
with those around him and the 12, he expounded what he was talking about. So the masses didn't get the understanding, but these that he was working with, he let them in on the kingdom mysteries. This is what I was talking about. I wasn't talking about agricultural. I wasn't talking about just dirt. I'm talking about your heart. And so he started to tell them what he was talking about. To to the masses, no, but to these 12 right here. I'm glad they recorded it so now we could read it. But it was delivered to these 12. Okay, and then Mark 9, 35, actually, and 34, it says they were arguing with one another. Uh, So in in Mark 4.10, he was teaching them. And now in Mark 9.34, I'll read it to you. And they were silent, for they had argued with one another on the way about who was? Who was the least? No. Who was the greatest? And so now, what did he do? Let's read it. And he sat down... Okay, so here he's trying to help them, the 12. Uh, if you want to be great, then you will be a uh, servant of all. So it's, it's not what you thought it was in my kingdom. The great one is down here on the bottom. It's just the opposite of the earthly kingdoms. And then he took a little child, a little boy in his arms, and set them, him in the middle, and then took him up in his arms and said, he pointed to the little kid, saying, uh, if you're not as such as one of these, then you can't uh, proceed into my kingdom. So the point was here that uh, if, if we don't receive uh, one another, like you receive a little child, then, uh, no, the, the verse was this. It says, so you receive this one, you receive me. Yeah. You receive me, you receive him who sent me. So he's working with these 12 to help them. All of us want to be great. And these 12 were vying for the greatness. But unless we are able to uh, receive. See, a great person, the problem with them being a body member is they cannot receive from others. They are greater. And they can only uh, go one direction. I, you can only receive from me because I'm greater than you. Yeah. This is our problem. Water doesn't flow uphill. It only flows downhill. So if you're always greater, then you can't be uh, very related with others because your concept is only I have the position to offer. Everybody, I can't receive from anybody because I'm greater. How can I receive from a lesser? So he was trying to help them get through their problem of wanting to be greater uh, so they needed perfecting to receive one another. Peter needed some help because he thought he was the greatest, and the Lord balanced him a few times. We, won't, we can't have time to do that right now. We've got to move on. Okay, Mark 10, 32. Let's read that. So here they are again, the 12, fellowship, this is what's ahead. So you can see he's always trying to blend them, adjust them, 
work with them for three and a half years. He started from the very beginning to perfect this group, teaching them, perfecting them, fellowshipping with them. And then we want to move on to the last Roman numeral I'm going to cover, and let's read that. Perfecting the disciple by twos and threes. So not only did he work with them in a group of 12, but he oftentimes worked with them uh, in little twos and threes, helping them understand, helping them see things, helping them work through their differences. So even he called them, let's read this, he called them by twos. Mark 1, 16 and 19, go. And passing beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And going on a little, he saw James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Okay, so here he called them by two. They were sovereignly brothers, Simon and Andrew. James and John were called as a pair. And so oftentimes when we're looking for our vital partner or someone, it's someone in your uh, close proximity. The Lord has sovereignly put somebody. You may be thinking that person lives on the West Coast, but they may live in corporate living in the next room. Uh, He puts you around people that he wants you to be blended with. God has sovereignly arranged your circumstances, and you're you're thinking, I can never blend with that person. There must be somebody out there I can blend with. No, it's that person right there. But we don't see it. So he will put us uh, around those that he wants to blend us. You don't have to go too far. If you're looking for someone, a two or a three, uh, look right around your vicinity because he has used your environment. Those that are in your environment. Okay, then, got to move quickly, sorry. Then caring for mother, Peter's mother-in-law. This is a case, I think you're familiar with it to save time, where uh, he just got through calling them. He went out to preach the gospel in that uh, first uh, Mark 1, 16 through 20-something. And he called these brothers, and they went into Simon's and Andrew's house, and there there was Simon's mother-in-law with a fever. And so he helped. Immediately they told her, they told him about her. So here you can see his care for these twos, uh, Simon and Andrew and James and John, especially for their mother-in-law, To care for the twos and threes is to care for what concerns them. In a vital group, if you are not, you know, if if your burden is not cared for by the group, then it's hard for you to be related to them and hard for you to go on. Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. It's a temper. It's anger, which we all have. Uh, There's something ailing, you know, uh, someone that's related to me needs prayer, needs help. He, they opened that to the Lord. As soon as he got in the house, they went, hey, mother-in-law, sick, fever. See, you can see the fellowship in the little twos with the Lord. And what does the Lord do? He takes care of that matter. And by taking care of that matter, that member is restored, and she begins to serve. So with the twos and threes, it's not just those, but the, the ones in, that are related to them need to be cared for 
and prayed for, and that takes care of the twos and threes. See, don't you think Peter got more released when his mother-in-law? You don't want your mother-in-law with a fever. That, that's, you got to take care of that matter if you're going to go on with the Lord. <laughs> so he took care of that matter. Okay, now, then sending his disciples out, Mark 6, 7, let's read that. And he called the twelve to him and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority Okay, they were with one another in twos, two by two, and that's where you have authority. Where two or three are gathered in my name, then something's going to happen. So to be unrelated or unpartnered or grouped, there's no authority, no boldness. It's a principle here. You have to, the, the authority is in the body. You just need one other member, and then you have the body. You see? And three, there's a little bit more body there. And it's so achievable just with one other. Okay, and then you have, uh, well, just let me mention uh, in Acts, you know, so many big things happening in Acts. But what was the first order business in Acts? Remember reading Acts chapter 1? You're always ready for Acts chapter 2. We're waiting for the Spirit to be poured out and for thousands to be there. And I just can't wait. It's so exciting. But what happens in chapter 1, Scott? You remember? Huh? Before that, before the 120, they needed, they needed 12. They lost one of the vital group members. Judas bummed out. Judas, Judas bit the dust. So the first order of business, we can't go on. We can't make it until we decide, the Spirit decides who's going to take this, who's going to step in. We're short. The vital group is short. We need a fellowship about this. Brothers, consider, how are we going to go on? We need to build up the vital, the, the vital group took a hit. Now we got to get somebody to join in. Someone's going to be without a partner. And the whole group of 12 is going to be incomplete. So let's take care of business. Amen. See the base? Yeah. Pentecost just didn't come out of the air. There's three and a half years of these twos and threes working together. Twelve as a one accord. There's just so much to talk about here. No time. But you can read, read about it and you can just see the Lord working. And so Pentecost was a breeze. There was a... There was a base there. Okay, uh, got to move on to D, transfigured. Before Peter, just to save time, uh, I think you know the situation here. Peter, James, and John, the Lord worked with them, three, and, you know, you can picture it. Here's Christ and Moses and Elijah, the little vital group there. And you can see Peter, James, and John you know, they were converted. Can you believe that's Moses and that's Elijah and that's Jesus? And Peter had this great idea. They're all three so great. See, I'm sure they were fellowshipping about this. And so he makes his proposal, which didn't fly. I mean, the, the Lord had to let him know, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. Let me tell you. And so then it was Jesus only. And then they walked down the mountain. Don't you think the Lord walking with these three, they had a lot of fellowship all the way down that mountain. This fellowship about what had happened, and wow, and the revelation, and then finally he just said, okay, now you can't tell anybody. He ordered them. Uh, verse 9, don't, he ordered them not to relate to anyone the things. Not even the other 12, or the other uh, 9, yeah. Uh, you know, because uh, time wasn't right. So see how he worked with these to uh, blend them. 
and to reveal his, uh, himself. Okay, then dealing with James and John. Uh, I think you're familiar with this one too. This is actually a different account than the one we read earlier about wanting to be great. Here, these two, and Matthew along with the mother, decides, uh, well, you know, there's 12 of us here and somebody's going to get a position. Uh, here's the Lord. So how about on the right and on the left? How about James and I just take those positions? Lord, can you just confirm this now? Uh, let's just settle this matter. You know, we're obviously the great ones here. And uh, the Lord said, no, wait a minute. Uh, and the others heard about it, and they got indignant. So the rest of the twelve, hey, what do you mean? Hey, what do you mean you want to be the greatest? Of course, in them, they want to be the greatest too. But you can just see the, the, you know, the ruffled feathers here when this matter came up. So again, he talked to the, he, he took the ten, when the ten heard this, so he called them to him and then explained again uh, what he tried to get through earlier on. This is just the next chapter uh, about the uh, wanting to be great and wanting to be first. See, this is the problem in our, especially around, uh, I can just imagine a place where, you know, you have one of the top schools or the top schools. Everybody wants to be the top school, the top one in the class. It's all a matter, a matter of being great. And uh, oftentimes those people have a hard time being a vital related member because it, it's who's the best. But the Lord's trying to help us realize uh, it's not about you. It's about a body. Hallelujah. The weaker members are necessary. Right, right. The, the, it's not just one... It's not all strong members. We'll get into that more, too. Wow. I need to give Neil, I've got about two more minutes, Neil. That would be an even split, right? 37 and 37. 50-50. 50-50. Okay, then I will finish up with uh, F, fellowshipping with Philip and Andrew. Uh, let's read these. Then the things came to Philip. And you know the next verse, 24, the famous verse. Well, did you realize, excuse me, that uh, they came, the Greeks, to Philip? And what did Philip do, run to Jesus? No, he came and got his, one, of the, one of his vital partners. He came, Philip came to Andrew. Hey, Andrew, hey, Andrew, they're all wanting to go see Jesus. What do you think? What should we do? They fellowship. He just didn't take off to Jesus. He found, you know, the Lord was... We're, he was perfecting them to be fellowship, to not act independently. So he talks to Andrew. And then Andrew came and Philip too, and they told Jesus. Amen. And then Jesus revealed. Amen. You see how uh, he's, he's working with them right. to put this in them that you are a group and you are vitally related mm -hmm. and you're not independent, mm -hmm. but you are here as a blended group. Not acting. So after three and a half years of this, they had very much body consciousness and group relatedness and feeling like they're not going on as individual, but they're going on with each other. And each other, each is very vital and important. You know what vital means? Dr. Dave, vital organs. You can't live without them. When it's vital, it means I cannot live without Ryan. 
I cannot, whoever is violent with Ryan, I just can't go on without Ryan. He's, you know, I care about him. I want to be with him. I want to uh, I think about him when I'm not with him. Amen. That's vital. Amen. That's living. Amen. And that's where I'm going to stop. Amen. Amen. Okay, how's everybody doing? Amen. I feel like I'm at home now. Amen. I used to call it 128. Now everybody calls it 95. Huh? Do you, does anybody call it 128 anymore? Yeah. I went to uh, Franklin Elementary School in West Newton. Then we uh, moved to the Cape for a little period of time. And I was there on Cape Cod for about a year. And then after Cape Cod, uh, we moved to Needham. So I was at Dedham, and I was like, we're driving on 128. And I said, oh, man, if I could just go a few more exits. I can go take Tim to my childhood house, yeah. and he could see, and you know, we could take a picture together. You know? <laughs> so uh, I went to junior high and high school in Needham, and um, I, I feel like the Lord had to get me far away from this area because I'm, you know, from a Jewish background. All my relatives are Jewish; they all live in this area, and there's a lot of pull. So the thing that is so amazing is when I, when I was uh, trying to get into school, uh, I applied to six universities. I got into all six of them, and I had a stepfather at that time, and he said, he says, you can go to any one of these universities. The best one that I got into was Syracuse. And uh, he says, but, and he was from Louisiana. He said, if you go to LSU in Baton Rouge, I will give you a car. <laughs> and uh, I, and uh, so the rest is history. <laughs> I, I, listen, listen, I drove from Massachusetts to Louisiana in a 1966 Ford Mustang. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. <laughs> so I believe that the Lord, saints, had to get me far away from this area uh, just like when John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos so he could get the revelation. And it was there at LSU in Baton Rouge that I received Christ. And I would say, saints, it was a dynamic salvation. I was, I was in my room by myself. I had read the New Testament a few times. And I got down on my knees by my bed. No one else was in the room. And... Uh, I wasn't in a, quote, church building or anything like that. I was in my room on my knees weeping. And I said, Jesus, forgive me for being self-centered. And then all I prayed was this very simple prayer. I prayed, help me, Jesus. And I can tell you this. I was baptized in the Spirit. I got up from my knees. I was dancing around the room. And going, I am happy for the first time in my life. I am so happy. And that day, I can tell you the date, was November 17, 1971. The God of glory visited me. Amen. And Jesus Christ, the Savior, came into me. Amen. And so, saints, I had to get away from Boston. I love Boston. So, but I had to get away to meet the Savior. But now the Savior lives in me so I can come back. <laughs> 
I'm very happy to be with you, Saints, uh, this weekend. And uh, I just want to continue Tim's fellowship. But, you know, before I continue, you know what I'm really impressed with tonight? I just, you know, when Tim and I were on the plane, you know, we're sitting there. And, and you know, you're always hoping, you know, we can just have two seats and the middle seat will be unoccupied. You're always hoping for that. And nobody's going to, they'll just keep walking by, walking by. And then, and uh, I was really hoping for that because Tim and I got up around 4.35 this morning. And, and you know, you have to be, we have to, the plane leaves Austin at 7.30 this morning. And we're tired. And, and I just want to sleep. And all of a sudden, this young girl, Tim and I are blocking it. He's on the aisle, and I'm in the middle, and I figure, we've got a, a good pattern here. Nobody's going to want to go into that seat there. And this young girl comes, and she says, uh, can I go in there? And so right away, you know, we thought, okay, we need to give up the aisle seat, let her in. No, no, I want the window seat. That's what she wanted. So it turns out she's a college student at UT San Antonio. And, uh, and so we just began to chat with her, talk to her. And it was so fresh, and it was so enjoyable. And she went to sleep, and, I, and then I nudged him, and I said, I just love college students. I love them. You know, it was so good just having her next to us. She's telling us about this and that. Wasn't it good? It was so fresh. So I'm here tonight, and I'm just amazed. Okay, all the college students stand up right now. All the college students stand up. Okay, graduate students stand up. Okay, now keep standing, keep standing, okay, then everyone who hasn't stood up that's under 30, stand up. Everyone that's under 30, stand up, whether you're a college student or not. Okay, I did not expect this tonight. I, I expected the older generation to be here, the ones that opened their homes. I mean, Tim, I don't know how you felt, but I am so happy. You know why, Saints? This is our future right here. This is what Tim was talking about 40 or 50 years from now. It's those standing up right now that will be taking the recovery on. So I just, I'm just happy that you're here. I'm glad. And please, come back Lord's Day morning. We love the young people. We love the college students. Okay, thank you. So good for you to be here. And then, and then all of a sudden I hear this voice behind me, and it's this Chinese-speaking sister, and it's Lily. Lily, he is here. I couldn't believe it. Look at Lily is here. She, she, we remember her as a little girl going to UT. And now she's in BU Law School. Lily, he. I was so happy to see her. Right, Lily? I mean, we, listen, she, she was so burdened to get into the truth when she was at UT that she and another, it was two other sisters, Two other sisters, they grabbed me. They wouldn't let me go until I sat down with them week after week, and we just went through the wiring diagram. Started with God and eternity, went to incarnation, human living, crucifixion. And I tell you, Lily, I can still remember. Those times are etched in the New Jerusalem. Amen. And here she is, Lily. He is here. It's so good to see the young people. And look at, look at this guy right here. Okay, come over here. I'm not gonna, I might not even get to my message tonight. Okay, look, look at this guy. You know, his dad, you know where we met him? We met him at UT. His dad was there, 
And I used to help take care of his dad, John Pester at UT. And I, and I, I want to tell you a funny story. Okay, your dad probably never told you this story. Okay, okay listen. So he and I went somewhere, and we were driving home, and he was brand new, just coming into the church life, his dad. And uh, we're driving, and he goes, man, you know, I don't know. Can, I, I can't see myself, you know, 60 years from now being in this place. Something like that. He, was just, he just couldn't understand it. And I said, don't you realize how glorious it would be 60 years from now being in this place? How much transformation, how much element of God would be added to your being in 65 years? And it was just like veils just got taken away. And now look at this. His son here is at Harvard. Okay. Oh, MIT. Sorry. <laughs> MIT. Okay. Okay. Don't throw any apples at me or anything. <laughs> okay, his son's here at MIT. Saints, this is our future. These young people are our future. And I, I'm so thankful. You know, we have a team here in Cambridge. There's a team there in Newington. And we're just touching young people at the best time of their life when they're so open to receive. Look, oh, Stephen is here. Come over here, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen's here. Look at he's even wearing Texas tonight. You see, listen, Stephen just wants to make us feel good when we come here. Okay, look at Stephen. Look at this guy. Now, you're at Harvard, right? Okay, okay. Steve, Stephen's at Harvard. Okay. A fencer of all things. Okay. Some type of scholarship fencing. Who ever heard of a Korean fencer? You know, here he is. Look at this guy, Stephen. I remember, listen, Stephen was a high schooler, and his, his older sister, his name Sandy, was in our home meeting. We love Sandy. She would come every week. Then all of a sudden, we see this funny guy with glasses from high school sitting in the meeting there. He had come down from the Metroplex, and Stephen is in our home meeting. And you came once or twice, something like that. Look at this. Now he's at Harvard. <laughs> Stephen's at Harvard. This little high schooler that came down from the Metroplex, didn't know anything about the church life. Isn't that right? And now he's meeting with the brothers, meeting new ones on campus. Brothers, is this not our future? This is our future. Thank you, Stephen. I'm sorry for embarrassing you, Stephen. <laughs> okay, you just consider what Tim shared. You just consider this tonight, saints. Here is God in eternity past choosing, in eternity past choosing, predestinating. Then man falls, comes in, redeems man. Then comes in to seal with the Spirit, to pledge with the Spirit. But it's all with that vision there of the body of Christ. He is he has a, just a, I would call this a tunnel vision. The Savior has tunnel vision. That is to get the body of Christ. Amen. Okay, listen, saints. He has this vision, and how does he start? Okay, you have to see what Tim was saying tonight. He has a vision. I came, even in eternity, I chose, I predestinated to get this thing called the body of Christ, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. And so how does he start with that vision to get the body? How is he going to do it? 
What is the way? What are the means? How is he going to get that body? What does he start with? Twelve disciples. See, we never think of that. We never think, well, 12 disciples, these are the apostles. They're the ones who spoke the truth, etc. He was on the way to gain the body of Christ. And he grabbed a, or he chose 12 disciples and he worked with them. For three and a half years, he worked with these people. He perfected these people. They were with him day and night. They ate with him. They drank with him. They, they did so many different things together with him. And then even within those 12, he worked on twos and threes within that 12 to the point that at a certain time in Acts chapter 2, they were ready and the spirit fell and the Jewish part of the body was baptized. And then we know later the Gentile part of the body was baptized. But all that work for three and a half years, listen, saints, was not just to make them gospel preachers, was not just to make them mighty men of God, was not just to make them great shepherds. All that work, that grouping together, that blending of those 12 together was for this one goal to get the body of Christ. And that's why we have to see how critical it is. He's grouping these people together. He's calling them by twos. He's sending them out by twos. He's working with Peter, John, and James. He's working with them to, to blend them. That they, the, the ones that would think they were great wouldn't think they were great. He's working on Peter. He's allowing Peter to have that major failure. Deny the Lord three times before the cock crows. Allowing Peter to have that major failure going fishing. Right after he had gotten the commission, he says, As a father sent you, I send you. And what does Peter do? He goes fishing. But this is all under God's sovereignty. This is all under God's arrangement. Not just that Peter would have a failure, but that that body that is in view, the body of Christ, the fullness of the one who fills all in all, that could happen by the perfecting of such a Christ with those 12 disciples. And brothers, in the same way we have to realize today, as we're there meeting in our home meeting group, we're in a home meeting group. Dave told me they come out to Dedham. And they're in a home meeting group. And there's other home meeting groups. What is there? 10, 12, 15, 20 in that home meeting group. Is that home meeting group just so that we can have a good meal on Friday night? Is it just so that I can forget about my studies for a night and just chill out? What is the whole reason that we're there in that home meeting group? It's so that the resurrected and ascended Christ can perfect, can blend, can gain what he's after. That is the body of Christ. Don't, don't look at your home meeting group as just, well, it's the end of the week, it's Friday. Time for my home meeting group. Time to get a free meal. Time to eat some good Chinese food. Time to get some good dim sum or jiaozi or sui jiao or whatever you want to call it. You know what? No, it's not time just to have some good Chinese food. It's time to be blended as members of the body of Christ so that he can get what he's after. Saints, he's after the body. Okay, so you just consider. I'll, I'll just speak the outline impromptu because I know I'm going to run out of town. Okay, uh, to I'm, no, I'm not running out of town. I'm going to run out of time. Okay, here we are. Look at, we're all in the hall together, okay? We're all there in the hall. How many of us, we grew up as hall-centered Christians? How many? Okay, all the, all the dear brothers and sisters, 
that have been here in the recovery over 20 years. I'm not asking you to stand up. Raise your hand if you've been over here over 20 years. Okay, it's nothing to be ashamed of. What glory we, we could be here over 20 years. You know, a lot of times I'm kind of afraid to tell people how long I've been in the church because I'm going, oh, God, I hardly have any transformation, and I've been in the church so long. Brothers, every day that we can spend in this place called the church life is a glory to God, and we should thank Him for allowing us to, just like Tim said, to enjoy the inheritance, the riches of the inheritance in the saints. All right, so here we are. We're in the meeting life. I'm kind of short. I need a tall brother to come up here. Come on, talk. okay, come on. Eric, okay. Okay, I want you to write up there, Hall, H-A-L-L, Hall. Okay, then put like a little arrow going this way. Yeah, an arrow, make it a little arrow. Okay, good. Now, you just stay here. What did we do in the hall? Saints, listen, you, if you came to Austin 20 years ago, if we you know, went back in time 20 years, you know what? Tuesday night, we had a perfecting meeting in the hall. The whole church came. Wednesday night, we had a prayer meeting in the hall. The whole church came. Friday night, we had a love feast. Did you all have love feasts up here? We had a love feast in the hall. The whole church came. Saturday morning, we had Saturday morning service. The whole church came. Sunday morning, we had a new beginners meeting starting at 9.30. Everyone came. Then the next meeting was a ministry meeting. Everyone came. Then Lord's Day evening, we had the table. Then Monday, we all dropped. We all fainted. We were, listen, we were centered. Saints, we were centered around the hall. That was our whole being. When you bought a house, you thought hall. Where's the hall located? When the brothers were deciding on where to build the hall, they thought of school district. Everything was hall-centered. Our whole church life was hall-centered. What do you do in the hall? Okay, write the next word. You have meetings, M-E-E-T-I-N-G-S, meetings. Okay, and in those meetings, what's going on? I'm talking about pre-prophesying days. What's going on in those meetings? Messages. So in the hall, you have meetings, and in the meetings, you have messages. This was what was going on year after year. And let me tell you, it was good. It was enjoyable. I have nothing against, those are sweet memories in my being, but, but brothers, remember, God is after a body. Amen. And the fact of the matter is, in those, in those meetings, yes, we got some help. But many of us, because we were sitting there listening to the messages, our function was beginning to be stifled. Our function was going down more and more, and God was not getting what he was after as good as it was. So eventually, by the Lord's mercy, when Brother Lee went back to Taiwan in 1984, there was a turn from the hall to where? Homes. Okay, I want you to write homes underneath hall. That was a huge advance in the Lord's recovery. Saints, I want you to realize it was a huge advance for us to, to be, start to have a focus in the homes out of the hall was a huge, huge advance. When, when, when the book of Acts started, this was the Holy Spirit's invention. Okay, you think about it. Up to this time in the book of, uh, before Acts, 
Where did the Jews meet? In the temple. Where did the Greeks meet? In some type of Greek temple. Where did the Romans meet? In the Colosseum. Everything was big, 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 big. Okay? But there was another way on the earth, and that was God's way, and God's way was in the home. And in Acts 2.42, you can look at it on your sheet. It says it clearly. Okay, let's read Acts 2. Is it, is it on the sheet there in that under homes? 2.46. Go ahead and read 2.46. And day by day. Beautiful. That's the beginning right there. Right there. Where, what was the Holy Spirit's invention? The homes. Listen, Holy Spirit's invention, you can't improve upon it. You know what? There's only one thing you can do, saints. It's go back to it. You cannot improve. You cannot improve upon the Holy Spirit's invention. The Holy Spirit's invention was home. All we can do in this day and age is go back to the home and then read that little footnote right under there. I think that footnote is tremendous. Go ahead and read it together. Meeting in homes as a Christian way of meeting together is fitting to God's New Testament Okay, just stop there. Don't you love that? Fitting. It's fitting to God's New Testament economy. Where is their dispensing going on? Where can you be involved in the dispensing? Where can you be involved in prayer? You know, this semester, you know what? Our home meeting has become a prayer meeting, one of the prayer meetings of the church. I love it, saints. It's like the high point of my, my week. On Wednesday night, I go to a house, and the saints are there. There's not many of us. And listen, every sister prays in that meeting. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm going, this is recovery. This is God, the, the God's, new, God's economy is fitting. It just fits right there in the home. How many years did those same sisters sit in a big hall and we never heard a peep? We never heard one word. And then we come and we pray in the home and God's economy just flows in the home, saints. It flows in the home. You know what? We, we did a, listen, we did a, a kind of a, a, a mathematics statistics you know, we have about 400 that meet on the Lord's Day. And we, because we have so many that meet, we can only give them a minute and a half to prophesy. And then, bing, the piano dings, and they have to sit down, or some of them just keep going. But anyways, then we bing it again until eventually they get the message. Listen, we figured it out. If we gave every saint in the church a minute and a half on the Lord's Day, you know how many times they could function a year? Twice a year. Is that fitting to God's economy? No. Twice a year? Saints, every week, house by house, we can function in God's economy. Okay, so what is going, what, what are we centered on there in the homes? Okay, oh, I'm sorry. Keep going, meetings. Okay, you have to put messages. Don't forget that. In, in the meetings, we heard a lot of messages. But in the homes, listen. We're not focused on the best meeting. We're focused on people. Okay, so put next to homes, people. I love that. And you know what the people are doing? The people are in mutuality. You know, it's not Professor C, Professor Wolfson here, coming and sharing a long message there 
in the homes, they, they wouldn't allow me to come to the home meeting if I was like that. But it's sister so-and-so with three kids sharing from what she enjoyed in Romans. It's brother so-and-so that works 80 hours a week sharing what he enjoyed in the morning revival. You know what that's called? That's capital M, mutuality. Saints, in the homes, we have progressed, saints. We have progressed to mutuality. Okay, so did you put mutuality up there? Now, you look at that last verse. Not many people realize what that last verse in Acts is. You just consider. Here we have at the beginning of Acts, you have house to, day by day, house to house. Now, how does the book of Acts end? How does it end? Let me tell you how it ends. With a single brother. Brothers, it's with a single brother. We always think, oh, I've got to have the right house with the white picket fence, the three kids, the two dogs, a cat, well-behaved children, all these things like that, and then I can have the college students into my house. No! At the end of the book of Acts, there's a single brother, and he doesn't even own the house. It's a rented lodging, and what is he doing? Welcoming all those who come to him, and he's with all boldness, and he's unhindered. You read the verses. Let's read them right now in Acts. That's how the book of Acts ends. Go ahead. He remained two whole years in his own rented dwelling and welcomed all those who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and unhindered. Oh, saints, you have to underline that. You have to appreciate. With all boldness, unhindered. Okay. My wife is a church mouse. Tim's wife is a church mouse. Do you know what a church mouse is? They're there, but you don't hear them. Okay. She comes to the meetings. Tim's wife comes to the meeting. Church mice. Church mice, right? Scurrying around, but you never hear them. Okay, listen. I told my wife, I said, I'll take the kids home. You just stay here at the home meeting. And uh, so... You know, she's there with the sisters, yeah, yeah, you know, just enjoying, fellowshipping, talking with the sisters. You know, and I get the kids home 1030. You know, I figure she'll be home in half an hour. 11 o'clock, getting the kids ready for bed. No church mouse. You, okay, 11, 1130, I'm starting to get tired. Still no church mouse. 12 o'clock, the kids are asleep. I'm asleep. And she's functioning in the home. Saints, that to me is the beauty of the God-ordained way. Right? With all boldness, unhindered. You know, that same church mouse, you put her in a big meeting with 400. Right, Tim? Just scurry away. You don't hear anything. But you put that same person with three kids, and my kids are young saints, into a home meeting where there's boldness there and there's an unhindered way, then... Guess what? All the church mice in the, in the church, they begin to function. Life begins to flow. Saints, this is a shame to the enemy. And God is getting his body, his function is being recovered in all the members. Okay, then we got into the homes and we started getting people focused. We started realizing we need to be focused on people. But then we, we also had an, a, a, another realization and the realization was, I can't do this by myself. 
I mean, when you think about taking a person from A to Z in God's economy, through all the stages, helping them exercise their spirit, helping them to know Christ as life, helping them to know the truth, helping them to know the service in the church, all the different things. Can we do it by ourselves? Saints, we are joking ourselves. We're joking ourselves if we think we can do it by ourselves. And this is why, brothers, how the Lord has led us, what the next thing is, within that home we have what? A vital group. We can't do it by ourselves. So can you write vital group under there? Okay, I want to read you something. It's not on your sheet here. Uh, wait, let me just take a look here. Okay. Okay, I don't have, my, I don't have it with me, but anyways, we just, we just realize we, we can do it when we are vitally attached to one another. Amen. We can do it. Okay, listen, listen. In that vital group, I would say there's two things. So why don't you draw kind of like something like this? Yeah, there you go. Okay, and then put on the top thing, could put prayer, fellowship. How about let's start with fellowship first. Fellowship, prayer, and coordination. And brothers, listen, this is exactly how the Lord led us. Okay, fellowship, prayer, and coordination. You know what happened? We started to realize we can't just meet from Friday night to Friday night. We need to begin to get together and pray and fellowship and coordinate with one another. And, and I want to put an emphasis on prayer. Okay, I'm not talking about just logistics. Okay, who's going to bring the hamburgers? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? But I want to put an emphasis. We realize we need to pray together. And, you know... Uh, on the on the sheet here, there is something that I put about coordination. Do you see it under C? Okay, this is the active side, and in the, in that little section there, is I have coordination. Do you see it in the little block there? Mm -hmm. Coordination is when the spirit within all of us is released. Do I have that on there? Is that on? The, okay, I'm going to read it to you. It's on mine. I just have it. Okay, listen to this. Coordination is when the spirit within all of us is released. Now, I want you to even write this down. It's so amazing. This, this is from Watching These Works, Volume 62. Coordination is an event in our spirit. Coordination is an event in our spirit. Okay, you know what? This is why we have to pray. Because we need to have an event in our spirit. You know what? We can come together and talk, saints. We can come together and discuss. It might not be coordination. But what we need to do is we need to come together and pray and touch the spirit that we could have an event in our spirit so there can be true coordination. Okay, now this is what was happening. After the prayer meeting, little circles were forming. And it was students, community saints, and full-timers praying in little groups. Some of the students loved those times so much that they would wait for the prayer meeting to get over. And then once the prayer meeting was over, you'd see them all waiting outside the door. And they would run into the prayer meeting to get with their little group because they were getting into prayer, fellowship, and coordination. And they were touching an event in the Spirit. And let me tell you, saints, when you begin to touch an event in the spirit, it's very attractive. 
They might be there in the prayer meeting, big, you know, four, fifth row back. They might not ever get a chance to pray. But in their little group, they begin to pray, fellowship, coordinate. They touch an event in the spirit. That became very attractive to people. So we, we were brought into this. So you could put, brother, if you could put right kind of in parentheses above coordination, this is the active side. This is the active side. And, you know, in Austin, we're always kind of backing into things. You know, if you read it in the ministry, that shouldn't be the first side. But this is where we're at, brothers, so we're just presenting where we're at. But then we realize not only do we need to have that, but we need to have fellowship, prayer, and care. So could you put that down? Fellowship, no, right underneath fellowship. Yeah, right there. Fellowship, prayer, and care. And put in parentheses above care, the life side or the living side. You know, brothers, I'll just say it to you this way. For years and years and years, we viewed one another as fellow soldiers or fellow workers. And we just completely looked past the fact that he's got four kids, and they're not doing so well, and he's not doing so well because they're not doing so well. We just looked past that. Come on, brother. Exercise your spirit. I mean, come on, brother. Remember? 18 inches from here to here. 18 inches. Don't stay in your mind, brother. Turn to your spirit. Brothers, we were so mean to one another. Don't you think we were mean to one another? Come on, Juan, from here to here, brother. Oh, Lord Jesus, brother. And meanwhile, he's bleeding to death. And it's, Turn to your spirit, brother. Don't be in the flesh. Turn to your spirit, brother. Don't you know Christ lives in your spirit? He knows it better than I do that Christ lives in his spirit. But he just... He just totaled his car, and he doesn't have any money to pay for it, but I'm just concerned about him turning to his spirit, and I'm not opening to see what this brother really needs. And brothers, if we don't get past that to the point that people become a brother to us first, not a fellow worker, but they're, you know, why did Brother Lee say in those vital group messages, do you know the names of those kids in the vital group? Do you know their age? I'm just thinking, when I read that, Dave, I'm like, this is like foreign language. This is like, you know, Nihama. I don't even know what that means, Nihama. You know, what is this? I mean, you know, to me, foreign language. Foreign language. Know the kids? Come on, the Bible, Brother Lee. The spirit, Brother Lee. Prayer, Brother Lee. Know the kids' names? Know how old they are? You know why? Because behind this person here, there are four kids and they're giving him all sorts of fits and all sorts of problems and he's worried about it and I guarantee there's some sisters sitting here right now that are mothers and you're thinking about your kids right now. I believe it. I believe right now you're thinking, why is this brother sharing so long? I've got to go pick up my kids. <laughs> Listen, I, I went out, I'd get with this brother. This is, this is where they're at. This is where they're at. You can't just bypass that and say, turn to your spirit, sister. We need to take care of where they're at so that they can be released in God's economy. Okay, I'll, I'll read this. I do have this quote here, and I want to read this quote to you here. And I am sorry, sisters, if you are waiting to pick up your kids. Okay, listen to this. It says, the New Testament 
does not give us the details of the group meetings. But in the verses we have mentioned, there are some small windows into the practice of the group meetings. These will help us to see what happened in the ancient days in the group meetings. By considering the word, we can see that there was, listen to this, much fellowship. This isn't in your, uh, in your outline. Just listen to this. There was much fellowship, interceding for one another, mutual care, and shepherding. The fellowship brings in awareness, awareness of one another's condition and situation. This will lead into prayer for one another. This will then cause us to go to one another to render a mutual care. Through fellowship, we may find out that a brother has been in an automobile accident. This leads us to pray for him and his family. Then we may consider his financial needs and be burdened to care for his health needs. All of this should not be in a formal way. It should be a spontaneous issue of the Spirit. I hope that from now on, we can, we can have all our group meetings in such an organic way. I used to go out to where a brother worked. He would get in my car. He was in my group meeting. And, and, and so I would, you know, I'm a full-timer. I have all these new ones on the campus. I'm excited. My life is romantic, saints. It's romantic. It's exciting. I love being a full-timer. It is the most romantic life on the face of the earth. And I'm not trying to sell you brothers to go to the training either. I'm telling you, it's yours if you want it. But I tell you, I was there... And I was just filling this brother's ear, this new one and that new one and this new one and that one. And I was really excited. I was animated, as you can tell. I was very animated. You know what the brother told me later? He says, I got tired of you telling me about all your new ones. You know what was on that brother's heart? He had two high school boys, and one of them, he was worried he was going to graduate. He wasn't going to class. And you know what we started doing? praying for his high school boys. And let me tell you, that brother got released. And he had all sorts of space and capacity for all these new ones I was telling him about. And then I'd go out there another time. And what did he want to talk about? His work and how he, you know, they were taking straw away and they were taking hay away. And, and he was just under it at work. You know what we did? We prayed for his work. Isn't that a novel idea, saints? We're not praying about the new ones. We're not praying about the home meeting. We're praying for this brother's work. Brothers, we saw whole divisions in that place change. We saw people that were way up high be brought down, Tim, by the prayer of the twos and threes. We saw it happen. Week after week, we'd see things happen. Listen, after this, don't you think there was something there open? There was a love between us. There was a care for one another. There was something vital. We need this side to be vital. Okay, then finally, if you could put right under vital group, twos and threes. Twos and threes. You know what, brothers? We need lots of experiences during the week in twos and threes, just like my going out to be with that brother at his job. Lots of little experiences, praying together, fellowshipping together. You know, the moms, they always, you know, when Raul was sharing, he was saying this. If this way, the God-ordained way, has to be attainable for every saint in the church. It has to be. The mother with three kids cannot say this is not attainable. It has to be attainable for every saint in the church. You know what? Through the twos and threes, saints, it is workable. It is workable. And we had testimony. We just had a mini-conference in Austin, and we had testimonies of these sisters 
getting up that have kids. And they were talking about one of them, you know, they come over to her house. They're getting into the, the, the packet of 64 pages that Raul gave us. And another one, they're doing this. And, and they have, you know, uh, all sorts of little twos and threes during the week. And so what do you think it's like when they come to their home meeting on Friday night? What do you think it's like when they come? There's, there is an organic explosion. Amen. It's very full of life, full of function, full of, full of what God is after, the reality of the body of Christ, full of what God is after, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Brothers, have we arrived? No. And we, Tim and I, will be the first ones to raise our hand and say, we have not arrived. Isn't that right, Tim? We have not arrived. But saints, we're endeavoring. And that's the title of this section. We're endeavoring, brothers. And, and in Cambridge, what are we doing? We're endeavoring. You know, can we say we're there yet? No, we can't say we're there yet. But brothers, we're endeavoring that, that God would get what he's been longing for since eternity past, and that is the reality of the body of Christ. Amen. So I'm sorry for doing something unorthodox tonight, but I feel very released. <laughs> I feel very happy tonight. Okay, so I asked the Chinese saints, how about how? <laughs> okay, I don't know what we should do, brothers. How should we do it? Praise in twos and threes. Okay, good. Amen.